welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how we doing? Good. It was a really rainy day today here in Virginia. We're you know here, recording yeah. this on Monday, but uh, you know when it rains, it pours. As we learned from the Penn State game this weekend, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good week. Yep. Uh, Rams got crushed Thursday night after we finished recording. So mm-hmm. that means I had an easier Sunday. You know, no mm-hmm. Rams to worry about. Penn State cruising to victory. So lots of football on, but I wasn't like fully invested in anything it felt like yeah well hey speaking of football let's uh let's talk about it because we have not too much in the in the world of news but what we do have is pretty significant nebraska fires scott frost this feels like something that's been a long time coming uh Mm -hmm. you know he was the 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 like prodigal son returned home or uh he was the the favorite son is, is the more accurate phrase bringing him in, hoping he could have turned around the Nebraska program that was already pretty kind of successful and really drove it into the dirt. You can tell that Nebraska was desperate to get rid of him because if they would have waited just three more weeks to fire him, Nebraska could have saved $7.5 million, which like if I'm a student at Nebraska and I'm seeing that administration could have saved $7.5 million, I'm probably going to be a little mad whenever I see my tuition rates go up again next year. Maybe it's just me, though. Yeah, I think if uh, they wouldn't have lost on Saturday, they probably could have made it through to that October 1st date, yeah. giving him a chance to see if he could have beat Oklahoma this upcoming weekend. But yeah. uh, too bad of a loss. Too many. Very embarrassing. Yeah. The, yeah, too many similar mistakes happening over and over again, and they just can't seem to get over that one score hump you know they always lose by one score yeah so now the question is who's going to replace scott frost there's a long list of names Uh, i've heard names like lance leopold bill o'brien chris kyleman Uh, he's over kansas state matt campbell we know him from iowa state jamie chadwell of coastal carolina jim leonard of wisconsin uh wisconsin's defensive coordinator i'm hearing less and less that jim leonard is going to be connected to this job Mm -hmm. Uh, whenever i look at this list like Although I would hate to see it, I feel like Bill O'Brien would be awesome at this job. I would just hate – I mean, like, I already hate that he's at Bama and not at Penn State or, or in the pros, but guy's got to do – guy's got to pay bills, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to – some of these guys – I don't know. Is, is Matt Campbell going from Iowa State to Nebraska an upgrade for Matt Campbell at this point? No, it's a huge and, downgrade. Yeah. The only way reason I could think it is if he really thinks the Big 12 is going to – you know, blow up here in the next couple of years and he wants to get to the Big Ten and the safety of the money, but that's the only thing. I think Lance Leopold's probably the favorite at this point. He's off to a hot start here at Kansas, and mm-hmm. and uh, even though Nebraska's at a downturn right now, it's probably still an upgrade from the Kansas football. Yeah. Looking, uh, looking at Midwest schools and, and Southern schools, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, was leading the team, the Longhorns, very well against Alabama whenever disaster struck. And really, if history repeats itself, if you don't believe it, watch this game and watch the national championship game whenever Colt McCoy was a quarterback at Texas. Quinn Ewers goes down, and he's going to be out two to six weeks with a clavicle injury. What a bummer. 
he should make a full recovery, which is good, but it's a shame that it happened when it did and the way that it did on an illegal hit at that. Yeah, I've heard different. I've heard a two to three week time frame. I heard a four to six week time frame. That's why the time frame is so big here. Um, I guess the earliest he could return is the Red River showdown against Oklahoma in uh, October there. So that'd be a big game he could return from. But we've seen lots of people with clavicle injuries. I believe Aaron Rodgers missed a good chunk of a season with the clavicle injury. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, who knows how long he'll be out, but hopefully he recovers soon. Yeah. You know who else had to recover from a clavicle injury? Who? Remember my bachelor party? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Colin know. broke his collarbone. Yep. And none of us thought it no, was like anything. It. Yeah. yeah, like, uh, just, you know, just deal with it. Yeah, take some ibuprofen. It'll be fine. Yep. Dude was walking around with a broken collarbone at my wedding. <laughs> um, Going on to other news, Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner. Originally thinking possibly now it's, it's almost certain that Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be out for the season with an AC joint sprain. This isn't just like a little sprain. This is one that's going to have to be surgically looked at and repaired. Real bummer. Buckner was looking pretty good for Notre Dame, but now I can't remember his first name. Pine, the backup quarterback, is going to have to take over for the rest of the season with a Notre Dame team that really has struggled to get out of the gate with Marcus Freeman at the helm. Yeah, Drew Pine will be taking over. I think he played True. some last year for Notre Dame as well. Yeah, Tyler Buckner was off to a great start, much better than his team was. So mm-hmm. maybe not that great of a start since his team's 0-2 now. But yeah, hopefully he can come back next year and Notre Dame will be uh, probably overrated in the polls once again, as they seemingly usually are. After, a after a, They have like one successful season and then they flounder out for a couple of years, so... This yeah. is t- pretty typical of Notre Dame after making the playoff last year. Yeah, one successful season for Notre Dame buys them like three or four years in the top like 15 every year, it seems like, or every time they do it. But it's whatever. So uh, that's the world, uh, or that's the news of college football. We've got some games to look at, so let's go ahead and rewind. Starting off at the top with number one, Alabama. They escaped their upset bid from Texas in Austin, 20-19. to 19. Uh, Will Reichard, the game-winning 33-yard field goal after Bryce Young let him down the field, getting them to, uh, into field goal position. Um, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists that think the SEC gets all the calls and everything. I am. And that's why they're great, but... There was a pretty big missed holding call on a Bryce Young, about a 20-yard run that set him up for this field goal. If that holding call had been called, he may, they may not have gotten into field goal range and Texas may have had the victory. We had that really weird non-safety call that was originally called, what, roughing the passer, I believe, somehow. Yep. Um, the reason I'm not a conspiracy theorist on that one, at least, is Texas did score a field goal shortly after that, so... But they have only, you know, if they if they get the safety, do they still score on that drive? So maybe they only lose twenty to eighteen instead of twenty to nineteen, kind of thing. So, but still, uh, Alabama did get a, it. Seems like a few pieces of luck in their way to help them stay undefeated this season. Who was the officiating crew? That I didn't catch at, at the start. Did you catch what conference it was? No, I mean, yeah, I had on the Penn State game. It was on at the same time. So yeah, I imagine it had to be ACC or Pac twelve, maybe even the infamous Big Ten. Yeah, I found I found the officiating horrendous as I was looking at these at these plays, especially the roughing the passer. I had a huge issue with that. That was one of the worst excuses of a penalty. I would say that 
that we've seen ever. But I mean, this this season is already starting off as maybe one of the crappiest to see seasons of officiating. It's it's like none of these refs have actually looked at a rule book. I I saw nothing egregious in those hits on him, and I'm not a, I'm not a Texas fan. I'm not a Bama fan either. Do I like to see Bama lose? Sure. Do I like to see Texas lose? Absolutely. So like, I have no cards in this game, but I didn't like that there. Bryce Young on the the miss holding call that was big, and so was the miss tack or the the miss sacks that could have been brought in there as well. It what frustrated me again, and I brought this up during the news. Texas had this game with Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers goes down on an illegal hit. He's out for the game. Backup does his best, but I mean, like, come on. Whenever you lose the starting quarterback, that affects you. I don't I don't think we're talking about Alabama escaping if Quinn Ewers is playing, which is a real bummer. Agreed. And part of that is that uh, they didn't really execute in the red zone. I think right. they had one touchdown and three field goals and five red zone attempts, including missing a chip shot field goal at one point. Mm-hmm. So maybe probably Quinn Ewers executes better in the, in the red zone if he's able to quarterback the whole game. Yeah, and you know, talking about Bryce Young, that scramble at the end being his Heisman moment. I'm like, really? His Heisman moment is a scramble to like get ahead whenever playing an unranked team? Like, yeah. I, I certainly hope he has a better moment than that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's ranked. They're ranked now, so yeah, that's true. Um, yes. Staying in Texas, we got Appalachian State upsetting number six Texas A and M. Um, this is the first power five non power five loss for Jimbo Fisher while at Texas A and They've been ten and zero previously in the first couple of seasons there, and Appalachian State just dominated time of possession over forty one minutes. Uh, they forced two turnovers while turning it over zero times themselves. And after a crazy loss for Appalachian State against North Carolina, here they are upsetting, uh, again, another perennially overrated team in Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M bought the top recruiting class and they can't win with them. I think that's a coaching issue. I thought Jimbo Fisher was a good coach. Maybe he was, or he definitely was in another era, but maybe it just doesn't compute now. They're, mm-hmm. They've got to get it all fixed out and, and sorted quickly. I know App State is the kind of school that, that wins these games, but my goodness, I with how much they keep talking about Texas A&M, I always expect every season for them to be competitive, and then they just aren't. Mm-hmm. Staying in the Sun Belt for upsets, we got Marshall beating number eight Notre Dame 26-21. to Close back-and-forth game all day, and then Marshall scores two touchdowns in under a minute with the help of a pick six late in the fourth quarter. As we said earlier, Tyler Buckner left this game injured in that also in the fourth quarter. So can't really say as much like Texas that the quarterback would have changed the outcome. Maybe it would have, but um, Notre Dame would have needed an onside kick for that really to be a reality um, for them to pull off this victory. And now Notre Dame is 0-3 in the Marcus Freeman era because they also lost their bowl game last year. That's right. Yes, I mean, you know, Notre Dame paid $1.5 million just like uh, Texas A&M did to App State, but Notre Dame paid it to Marshall to bring him into their house and, and get beat. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a, it's, it's, it was an awesome game. You know, their their head coach who uh, is, from the, uh, is from the James Franklin coaching tree had coached his guys up to perform in this circumstance, and now Notre Dame joins the family of four, four teams that have zero wins this season in the FBS Power Five, along with West Virginia and I forget the other two, Nebraska, and yeah. 
Um, yeah, UConn even has a win against an FCS team that they do. Yeah, but I mean, they got to win. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got BYU, number 21 BYU, getting their revenge against Baylor for their loss last season. In double overtime, 26-20, BYU wide receiver Chase Roberts had eight catches for 122 yards, a passing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. And he stepped up big as BYU was missing their top two receivers in this game, and they get a nice win at home against Baylor team that should be competing in the Big 12. Yeah, it's a great win. Baylor played sloppy football. You know, the 14 penalties, that'll kill you, and, and it killed them there. Uh, definitely surprised by BYU's performance in this game. Mm-hmm. Another top 25 matchup, number 20, Kentucky beating number 12, Florida, 26-16. to 16. Florida had no points in the second half. Uh, Richardson, the quarterback there, two interceptions and no touchdowns in this game. Will Levis, not too much better, 13-24 for 202 yards, a touchdown and a pick, but Kentucky's defense held up, and it seems like we've these first two weeks, we've seen the high of Anthony Richardson and the lows of Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely overreacted last week whenever I was thinking in the back of my mind that Richardson could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. Yeah, maybe not. But good on Kentucky. Will Levis is continuing to roll and win, and uh, maybe he's more than just a fullback, Caleb. Maybe. Our final top 25 matchups on number 24, Tennessee beat Pitt in overtime 34-27. to uh, there were some reports that Keenan Slovis got benched in this game for Pitt, but mm-hmm. he left injured, apparently. The backup came in, didn't play quite as well, and Tennessee was able to pull out the victory in overtime, as uh, who was it? Was it Joe Tessitore would say, or not Tessitore, um, Todd Blackledge would say that the, their offense was pretty pedestrian in the second half yeah. with the backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good, it was fun to watch. Obviously was rooting for Tennessee and was glad to see that the Volunteers won and uh, and volunteered a victory for all of us to enjoy. Yep, and now the uh, rightful Pennsylvania team is higher in the rankings. That's right. Finally got that sorted out. Yep. Texas Tech beats number 25 Houston for the second straight season. Another double overtime victory here. Lots of teams going to overtime both weeks, both in the first and second games mm-hmm. here. Uh, because uh, Houston beat UTSA in overtime last week. UTSA won in overtime this week. So mm-hmm. pretty crazy how many – I feel like we've been having quite a few overtime games early on in the season. Yeah, if we can just get rid of the stupid two-point conversion shootout thing and go back to the old ways, we could have some really awesome college football. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. what a game. <laughs> yep. And our final upset, we got Washington State beating number 19, Wisconsin, 17-10. to 10. Wisconsin had three turnovers, but so did Washington State. So Washington's defense did their part, but Graham Mertz and the offense couldn't step up when they got their opportunities. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been surprised to read Washington State beating Wisconsin if Mike Leach was the uh, was the coach then and was just passing the ball and exhausting the, the big hogs of Wisconsin. But it's not the case, so good on Washington State to still come in and take Wisconsin to task there. All right, moving on to the rest of the Big Ten action. We mentioned it earlier, Georgia Southern beating Nebraska 45-42. And the main reason for the Scott Frost demise, 5-22 and in one-score <sighs> games. Usually there's like, they, they everyone tries to say it's like a random thing. So you should be more like, whatever, 15-15 and 15 or so in these games. But something's up with the coaching. They can't figure out a way to close out these games. They they got a couple turnovers in this one. Yeah. But they, they still It can't be that lopsided. No. Sorry. <laughs> 
Um, uh, game of the week. Just kidding. Iowa State beating Iowa 10 to 7. The good news is Iowa scored an offensive touchdown, but it was after a blocked punt. So still really more of a special teams touchdown. And this was Matt Campbell's first win over Iowa while at Iowa State. So surprising how much success with how much success he's had with the Cyclones that he was, this is the first time he was able to beat the Hawkeyes. Yeah. And, and you know, if Georgia Southern was the straw that broke the camel's back for Scott Frost to get fired, what's it going to take for there to be some changes in Iowa with, with Kirk Ferentz and, and his son and, just the total lack of creativity by the offense and the inability to do anything on the offensive side of the ball. This is probably the most painful power five team I have watched play football. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for Iowa, I don't think they have a Drew Aller waiting behind Spencer Peaches for uh, to succeed in there. They probably have a great tight end. They just don't have anybody to throw it to him. Yep. Um, the big favorites won number three, Ohio State over Arkansas, number four, Michigan over Hawaii, and number 14, Michigan State over Akron. Um, any takeaways from any of these three games, Phil? Just the Smith and Jigba uh, missing the game with an injury, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's not that significant whenever you got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. picking up the slack. And um, I guess J.J. McCarthy, this, this has to solidify him as the starter now, right? Like, yeah, There's no way Caden McNamara is going to be able to come back from that. Yeah, the Marvin Harrison, that's why I was a little bit disappointed in him against Notre Dame because he had the three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against mm-hmm. Utah last year. Then he had three touchdowns against an inferior Arkansas State team, but he couldn't step up when uh, Ohio State really needed him to last week against yeah. Notre Dame. I honestly forgot he was on the them. roster for, during the Notre Dame game. Yeah, granted they still got the victory, but when, when he's out and you – I mean, obviously he's got the name associated with him, but he's obviously a good player himself. Uh, so he, he needs to figure out a way to be a little bit more consistent. I know he's a young player. I think he's only a sophomore. Yeah. Um, uh, Northwestern beats Duke 31-23, and Ryan Holinsky for Northwestern threw 60 passes. That's got to be like by far an all-time record for Northwestern in passing attempts in one game. Yeah, I like Holinsky. He's really grown a lot this season comparatively, so – Hoping that that continues to to happen and he can turn that around after a, a tough loss to Duke and have a short memory. Yep, Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana, Maryland, all win. Any any takeaways here? No, <laughs> Virginia struggles. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's about it. Everyone else playing uh, non Power Five opponents here, so yeah, should be winning. So I guess so. Is Duke the only team that in Iowa and Nebraska, obviously, but. Northwestern, one of the few teams. I think everyone in the Big Ten East is two and zero. So mm-hmm. great start for the Big Ten East. All the all the losses in conference are on the Big Ten West so far. Yeah, I believe you are correct. All right, Caleb, you ready to talk Penn State? Let's get to it. What a game, Caleb. And, you know, this was before we talk about Penn State's college game. Let's talk about the NFL week one. Penn State has looked phenomenal whenever it comes to players from the likes of Jordan Stout, front of the show, kicking punts like crazy. Blake Killikin also doing that. We had Chris, Chris Godwin playing well before he got injured. We had defensive players stepping up. Arnold Abiquette with the sack. Nick Scott with two forced fumbles. I mean, the list goes on and on, Caleb. It's a it's good to be a Nittany Lion in the NFL right now. 
Yeah, Jahan Dotson probably with the catch of the weekend touchdown catch, mm-hmm. one of his two touchdown catches, <coughs> showing that uh, why he should have maybe been picked even earlier in the draft. Yep. Parsons on Sunday night, a couple of sacks of Tom Brady. So everyone doing great. Um, well, pretty much everyone, you know, felt like mm-hmm. they called out that was a Penn State player that played. Except Allen Robinson. Except who I have on my fantasy team. Yep. Uh, is Matt Stafford going to look at him at all this season, or do I need to cut him on my fantasy team? Nah, he will. They said they said the same thing about Robert Woods last year after, early in the season. They, he didn't look to Robert Woods for whatever reason, and Woods started picking him up before he got injured. So hopefully yeah. Allen Robinson does the same thing. Gotcha. Good to know. So let's review the game. Penn State went and played Ohio. You know, they went down the road to Beaver Stadium because they were at home. And they won 46-10. to 10. It was a good old fashion uh like stomper of a of a game ohio won the last matchup years ago during the sanctions and clearly that was the reason why ohio won this time penn state had all their talent and uh and they performed well overall mm-hmm. this is a game though where my favorite part of the game was that we got to see the backups in early yeah. and i'll tell you caleb the future's now man mm-hmm. like sean clifford played in the first half played one drive in the second half and it, this is a game where – and this is the story with Sean Clifford. If you look at the box score, it looks like he did okay. When I watch him and I see him in the pocket, he looks nervous. He, he Whenever a pocket breaks down, he doesn't know how to handle it. Whenever he's passing in critical situations, he's either overthrowing or underthrowing it. When Drew Aller was in there, it, it felt different to me. You know, Drew Aller was passing great, had two phenomenal touchdowns. The first one, he led his guy perfectly. For the score, and then uh, Veyu got to play a little bit as well. But, Caleb, we just got to make Aller it. Yep, he's clearly the future. He's clearly higher upside. Not sure he's even more downside at this point. So, yeah. what What is the downside of starting him right now compared to Clifford? Yeah, I, I was yeah, talking to my boss earlier today. He's like, what's the goal of the season? So, is the goal... To, to win the Big Ten to make the playoff is the goal to set yourself up as best for next season. Like, what's the goal? And maybe they think, and rightfully so, that if you want to win the Big Ten this year, maybe they think Clifford's still the best guy for them when they <laughs> face Michigan and Ohio State in a couple of weeks. I don't know. Maybe they're just yeah. – wait. I don't know. Maybe they don't think Howard's going to be able to handle a tougher environment at Auburn uh, next week at – at Ohio State next month. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Uh, running back, though, it does sound like we finally have the bell cow. Mm-hmm. Nick Singleton breaks the 17-game the streak of no 100-yard rushers. And holy cow, did he break it off in big ways with long runs. 179 yards on, on the ground. He averaged almost 18 yards a carry with his two touchdowns. I mean, I'm trying to get this started on, on Twitter, Caleb. Saquon Jr., man. Yep, he's definitely got the breakaway ability of Saquon. When he scored that touchdown, the long touchdown, I was waiting for him to start flailing his arms like Saquon does. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, he had a great weekend, obviously, this weekend, too. Almost 200 yards and a touchdown for the Giants. Saved my fantasy team in one league. Yep. So it was good to see Saquon back. Rightfully yeah. named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. I wonder, I have to see who got Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. He's probably in consideration for that as well. I would, I would have to assume so. Mm-hmm. You know, Singleton is easily, as of right now, best player on offense. 
very impressed by the way that he has has started his Penn State career. Keetron Allen looks good too. Had the second most amount of carries. He's a guy that I think if and and from what I heard from Franklin's post game presser, it sounds like it sounds like he realizes that Singleton is the guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like Katron Allen would be a great spellback, good, good uh, potential receiving back. I don't think Katron Allen is as good as, at pass blocking. There was just a couple times, yep. one in particular where a guy came in through the middle and Allen just kind of gave him a little like patty cake. And uh, we've seen Nick Singleton really pick up the block and, and take the guys down. Whenever it comes to Kevon Lee and Devin Ford, they had, uh, was it three catches, one carry? Kevon Lee had one carry for zero yards. So mm-hmm. I think the writing is on the wall there. What do you think? Yeah, I think they trust Devin Ford the most in pass protection still. So I'm sure he'll still get plenty mm-hmm. of work in obvious passing situations, at least as a blocker. But yeah, it, seemed, it definitely seems like the freshmen are the starting running backs when we want to run the ball. And the the older guys are there, maybe more for for protection from one or more of the, the passing situations. Yeah, receiving wise, all last season there were sixteen total targets. This one game alone, there were seventeen total players who caught passes. Yeah. Uh, ten ten of those targets were from Clifford. This is the first career touchdown for Amari Evans and tight end Khalil Dinkins. It will not be their last ones. Omari Evans at wide receiver. Whew, does he have speed, Caleb? Mm-hmm. Yep, I and, like Khalil Dinkins as well, but he's yeah. probably got a little more playing time since Theo Johnson did not dress again. Hopefully these are more uh, uh, precautionary things, playing a weaker opponent. Hopefully Theo Johnson will be back soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very impressed by this young receiving core. Offensive mm-hmm. line had some struggles. There were five sacks allowed, three for Clifford. But again, I'm, I'm going to wonder how much of this is on Clifford holding the ball too much or not reading. That was one of my issues with, I think it was his second sack where there was an open player running up the sideline mm-hmm. and Clifford just missed it. Yeah. So got to correct that. Hunter Norzad left injured, but to be honest, he wasn't really playing that well beforehand anyway. I've got a feeling he might not see the uh, starting rotation once we get into the, the meat and potatoes of the season, unless there's injuries ahead of him. Yeah, again, I'm wondering if they just kept him out precautionarily, didn't want to rush him back and get him injured. I'm sure maybe we'll see some of him, at least during the Auburn game. But yeah, you're right. I'm guessing Tangwell will get the start at left guard. Sal Warmley's played really well right guard. So those will probably be your starting guards. And then we'll see if Norzad still gets some playing time in that rotation with Tangwell that we mentioned last week. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to, to give him the shots. On the defensive side of the ball, this is a, this is a super minor. Th- well, no, it's not a minor thing. I guess I would have liked for us to have gotten a takeaway through the air, mm-hmm. gotten some ints. We have zero interceptions on the season so far. I guess I just think with Jair Brown, with uh, Kobe King, Kalen King, obviously Joey Porter Jr. and company, you'd think we have one in the secondary or at the linebacker position. But, you know, this was still a solid defensive performance. And I, and I just don't – I also don't think Ohio was in the – was that interested in taking chances. On the defensive line, they only had one sack. It was Johnny Dixon, though. It was not – it was not one of the people you would expect, like a P.J. Mustafer, who's really been quiet at the start of the season, which has me concerned. Mm-hmm. Chop Robinson, though, I mean, he's a, he's he's reminded me of Arnold Epichetti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, not many 
they quickly rotated out the defense, especially right. I think Robinson only got about 20 snaps in on this game. Um, the most anyone got was like 32 snaps, and that was one of the linebackers, maybe Curtis Jacobs. So, but again, no Smith, Vilbert, or Kaziah Izzard. Hopefully yeah. they return soon and we can get some more production from this defensive line. Right. Linebackers, Abdul Carter. I mean, there's a reason he's wearing 11, right, Caleb? Yep, I thought he still looked pretty aggressive despite getting, mm-hmm. the, tar- getting the targeting ejection last week, so that's good to see that that did not dissuade him from playing his usual style of play. Yeah, he was aggressive. He did a great job reading the defense. He blew up a screen pass, and that was very helpful to the team. For the defensive backs, again, like I already said, still no turnovers or in terms of interceptions. Last week they had the fumble recovery, which was great. But this defense continues to do well with pass breakups. Caleb, imagine what happens if they if they stop having brick hands and they and they come down with a couple of those. Yeah, maybe they're saving them for Ohio State. Maybe. I, I just remember Amani Oruwarie and whenever he was playing defense, and I mm-hmm. thought, wow, this is a guy. It, it felt like every week he was getting interceptions. Mm-hmm. If one of these guys can get hands like that for just yeah, for like that Ohio State game, it could be exciting. I think we've if there's one thing that I have taken away from this week is that, well, I thought, and I still think to a very large degree, Alabama's in another tier, Georgia's in another tier, and, and Ohio State is either right up there in another tier or, or almost. Alabama and Ohio State showed that they are not that they are not totally perfect, and so maybe okay. there's a maybe there's a chance, maybe. Mm-hmm. Special teams. Yeah. I don't even know how to start with it, Caleb. Penninger just looks terrible. Yeah, missed an extra point, missed field goal, forty-two yarder, some somewhere in that range. And we have got we have other guys on scholarship to kick. Yeah, so Dayhack is on scholarship. Um, yeah, I read. I think Penninger is around fifty-five percent or so on kicks in the 40, 49 yard range. College average is about 10, 12 points higher than that. So he's definitely costing us points there in the 40 plus yard field goals. Yeah. And, and I had said this on Twitter, usually whenever Penn state, if we start with a kicker, who's kind of inconsistent, they develop year after year. We saw that with Kelly after, and he, he won us an orange bowl and and some other games as well. Obviously that were key. Mm -hmm. We saw Sam Ficken who looked horrendous, like maybe the worst kicker ever in college football at the start. And he ended up being one of the most clutch kickers for Penn state of all time. Penninger has never developed. He is the same that he was the first year he started kicking. I mean, I'm ready if they want to cut ties with him. Like what's, What's going to happen? We're going to miss more kicks inside or at, at the 40? Like, we're already doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully it's a day hacker. We have to go to the transfer portal for next year. We'll see. Yeah, and we'll find out. Coaching-wise, we saw a couple things that, that I think we, we both really liked. The first, well, some things we really like, some things not so much, obviously. The first one is that we brought the backups in earlier than usual. Kill. This is something that I feel like we talk about every season, like, Franklin needs to get the backups in there to get reps. They had almost an entire half to build those quality reps. I I love that decision. Yeah, last year Clifford would have been in there into the fourth quarter, and then we would wonder why Taquan Roberson sucked when he came in against Iowa because he had like three passes all year. Exactly. But we didn't see that there. I liked that. I liked how aggressive Yursich was getting with some of his play calls. I'd like to see more of that. 
my my one minor complaint is I wish we would just get rid of all running plays out of the shotgun and just give it to Singleton downfield. He's a downfield type of runner and let him get a let him get a head start there. Mm-hmm. Whenever it comes to third down, this is something that we really need to work on though, because we were three for twelve versus of all schools Ohio on third down, and then eight for twenty six on the season. That's just that's just not acceptable for a team that they have the talent to be either number one or number two in the conference. I'll, I'll just say it right here, right now. Yep. Yeah, I think we're outside the top 100 nationally in third down conversion percentage so far this year. Definitely got to turn that around if you want to compete with the big boys. Yeah. How are you feeling in general with, with Phil Troutwine this year? I like. I still don't think he's the right guy for Penn State. I feel like we're seeing minimal improvement, but it is nice to see at least a little bit of improvement compared to how awful it was last year. Yeah, five sacks against Ohio is less than ideal, Yeah, um, even if a couple of them were when presumably the backups were in. So should have a good test this weekend, even if Auburn are not um, sold on Auburn as a great team this year. Usually SEC teams have at least one or two great edge rushers, so. This should be a pretty good test, especially for our left and right tackles. Yeah, so let's talk Auburn. You know, we play them 3.30 on CBS. A little bummed it's not a night game after last season's tense matchup, but I understand why. Quarterback for Auburn is TJ Finley. He's 22 of 34, 279, uh, one touchdown, three picks. Tank Bigsby, he's the he's the big boy that this defense is going to have to work on shutting down. There's no Arnold Abiquette there, so we really do need Chop Robinson, P.J. Mustafer, and the other guys to shut him down. Mm-hmm. That guy is electric, as is Jarquez Hunter, who is a, a good spellback for them. But yeah, you know, we, like, we beat him last year, right? Yeah, felt like last year, Jarquez, it was like his breakout game. I think he was a true freshman last year. He had yeah. a good game against us, despite Penn State winning 20-20. to 20. Yeah, but yeah, they, those two guys have seven touchdowns, which makes up for Finley only have one pass touchdown. And I think Finley, he's a transfer from LSU, so he's used to correct used to SEC play, but hasn't found his groove with any of these Auburn wide receivers yet. Yeah, in the series, Penn State's two and one all time against Auburn. Obviously, last year we won in that very tightly contested, poorly officiated game, twenty eight to twenty, and. Uh, last this past week's victory over Ohio took us from the land of the unranked to number 22 in the AP and 23 in the coaches, Caleb. Yep. Um, with all these other teams losing, getting upset, getting blown out like Oregon, it's uh, pretty easy to see why Penn State's back creeping their way into the top 25. Absolutely. All right, moving on to who you got. Rough week. I went four and five. You went five and four. So you have the one win edge after we tied the first week. Eleven wins to ten. Hopefully, we can turn that around this week. We'll start with Western Kentucky at Indiana. Indiana is the six and a half point favorite, winning all four meetings, including a close thirty-three to thirty-one victory last season. Bill, who you got? Last season was such a heartbreaking loss with Bailey Zappi playing for Western Kentucky. This is a this is a game where I am picking it because I'm not confident in Indiana's quarterback situation, and law of averages says Western Kentucky's got to win one of these. So I got the Hilltoppers. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I'm going with them as well. I don't think Indiana won a game after beating Western Kentucky last year. <laughs> they were very brutal. They're off to a solid start, two and zero this year, but 
yeah, I think I think Western Kentucky is gonna pull off the upset, get gets the revenge from last season. Yeah. Next game we have number six Oklahoma as a thirteen and a half point favorite at Nebraska. As a reminder, Nebraska's head coach Scott Frost has been fired. Oklahoma is 46, 38, and 3 all time. Oklahoma won last year in a tight one, 23 to 16. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I early in the season, before the season, I kind of wanted to pick Nebraska in this game, but no Scott Frost. I know maybe he'll get that interim head coach bump that for Nebraska. They're playing at home. But I think Oklahoma is too good, too much. They have the more talent on their team. So I think they'll win a close, low-scoring game. Phil, who you got? I like what Venables is doing with Oklahoma. Go Sooners. Next game, we got BYU in another top 25 matchup. This time they're at Oregon. They are the underdogs by four points in this one. They haven't played since 2006, but they are both, both teams are three and three against each other. Phil, who you got? So Oregon gets the gets three of those four point favorite points or whatever by being the home team. So this is really a one point game. It's a it's kind of a either or. And so when in doubt, pick against Bo Nix. I got BYU. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I picked against the BYU last week. Won't be making the same mistake. I can't believe or I know Oregon bounced back and crushed their far uh, inferior team this past weekend. But mm-hmm. it's like it's like the. the Vegas has forgot that Oregon got blown up by Georgia the first week of the season and BYU's looked pretty good so far. Right. Next game we have number 11, Michigan State at Washington. Washington is the two-point favorite. It is their first meeting since 1997. Washington has won two out of the three matchups all time. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, all I can think is back to last year when uh, Michigan, not Michigan State, Michigan, smacked Washington, and Washington was like in free fall mode after that. Um, I don't love Michigan State, but I think they're definitely the better team in this one. So, again, I'm surprised they're the underdog. So I will take mm-hmm. the Spartans. Phil, who you got? Yeah, this is another case where the odds makers are giving Washington the three points credits just by being the home team. So this is really – I mean, they know that Michigan is the better, more talented team. Mel Tucker's a great coach. Give me the Spartans. Our next top 25 matchup is number 13, Miami, at number 24, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is the six-point favorite. They've met twice before in 2007 and 2008, Miami winning both. Bill, who you got? Yeah, this is the matchup of the highly overrated teams. So I had a really hard time making a pick here. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, I went with Van Dyke being able to pick himself back up after a very lackluster performance, and I've got the Hurricanes of Miami. Caleb, who you got? Um, I went with this logic last week and picked Iowa to beat Iowa State. Didn't work. I'm going back to it. I think Texas A&M is going to be embarrassed after losing last week. I think they'll come out strong at home and beat the Hurricanes. Next game we got here, this is uh, an, another game in my home state of Virginia. We have Old Dominion at Virginia. Virginia is a 10.5-point favorite. As a reminder, Old Dominion upset Virginia Tech in the opening weekend. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, we didn't really talk about that one, but that's the second straight time Old Dominion upset mm-hmm. Virginia Tech in just the past couple of years. I love it. The former Penn State Assistance Bowl, right? Ricky Rane still down there. Yep. At Old Dominion. So Zach Koontz is still catching passes at Old Dominion. Yeah. Somehow. Is he like a, a ninth year senior down there or something? Like 12th, <laughs> I think. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, Virginia, like we said earlier in the Big Ten section, they got walled by Illinois, only scored three points. Brendan Armstrong, I guess he doesn't have the same supporting cast he did last year when he was putting up some huge numbers. Um, uh, I guess I'll take Virginia at home. I'll just say, I'll say that uh, Old Dominion can't pull off the upset twice. Phil, who you got? Yeah, I mean, both these teams are coming off losses. UVA to Illinois and Old Dominion to East Carolina. Old Dominion's a very experienced roster. I haven't been impressed with Armstrong this season, so I like Old Dominion to to be the champions of the state, and uh, I like them in this matchup. Go Monarchs. Next game, we got Texas Tech looking for their second straight top 25 upset. This time they're going to North Carolina State, who are the nine-and-a-half-point favorites. North Carolina State has won each of the last four meetings, but none in the past 19 years. So, Phil, who you got? Yeah, they're going to win this year, though. I think they are just way too far ahead of Texas Tech in terms of what their offense provides, in terms of their speed and intensity of their defense. So, give me NC State. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, NC State seemed to rebound after nearly getting upset in week one. So, I think they've kind of righted the ship now, and they will be fine, and they're the better team. I'll say closer than this nine and a half point spread, though. Texas Tech looked pretty good last week against Houston. So, NC State, close victory. Next game we got is the site of College Game Day. Before I say that, Caleb, what did you did you get to catch Pat McAfee on College Game Day? Uh, a little bit. I thought he was good, energetic, brought yeah. energy to to the to the set there. So I, I liked it. Yeah, I'd like for him to like watch his mouth a little bit, yeah. but call me call me old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, save that for be your a, radio show or whatever he's got going on that I see on Twitter all the time. All right, so you know this is the site of College Game Day for a good reason, and and I think guys like Pat McAfee are going to make it a really exciting game day for Troy at Appalachian State. Appalachian State is a thirteen and a half point favorite. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, a lot of people are surprised Appalachian State isn't ranked after the win over Texas A and M. But then, if Appalachian State was ranked, then why wouldn't North Carolina be ranked, considering they lost to North Carolina? So it's kind of a bit of that tough. I think maybe none of the three teams should be ranked at this point. There you go. But um, I'll take Appalachian State on this one. The home team, big favorites. This is uh, pretty big for them. I think it's a good week for a college game to go there. There's no great yeah. games. Um, I, I'm guessing when they when this Penn State Auburn you know game was was uh, decided a few years ago, they were looking at this. But since Auburn's now ranked, Penn State barely ranked. I, I think they made the right choice. Yeah, I do too. And looking at this matchup, it's 13 and a half points. Like, I'd, I'd totally slap the over on this. I think App State's going to come in hype. This is the type of game where they're going to be fired up and they're going to take Troy to task. And finally, we got Penn State, a three point road favorite at Auburn. Phil, who you got? So, again, Penn State's the favorite despite being on the road. If Penn State were home, it, they would be a six-point favorite. Penn State is the much better offense. They are the much better defense. I am hoping that somehow the coaches wake up to the idea of letting Drew Aller come in and uh, and start this game. I expect it to be a tight game, hard fought. I got Penn State winning 24-17. to Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I said in the preview pod that I was more scared of Purdue than Auburn, so it's a... Uh... Going, going down south, so it's another road game, but you've already mm-hmm. been on the road. It's a mid-afternoon game instead of a night game, so maybe a little less hostile of an environment. Yeah. Um, they aren't hammered yeah. yet. 
the big thing I you, you got to worry about their run game. Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, like they're both mm-hmm. really good running backs. So got to be able to stack the box there. Maybe we can finally get our first interception of two or two of the season. And I got Penn State pulling away a little bit late, 31-17. I like it, Caleb. So we are, you know, a few weeks into college football, NFL starting. This is a, this is a real kickoff of fall. Bring on mm-hmm. the pumpkin spice, baby. Yep. Uh, rain seems to be cooling down the other weather here, so mm-hmm. definitely starting to feel like fall. Still a little warm, yeah. but starting to feel like fall. Guy, guy that was leading our Bible study this past week asked, uh, what do you prefer, apple cider or pumpkin spice? I said apple cider, but it's got to be yeah. cold. How about you? Yeah, I'm an apple cider fan. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of warm drinks in general, so yeah, definitely uh-uh. cold apple cider. Maybe once a year I'll have a warm apple cider, but prefer cold. Well, hey, folks, thanks for tuning in and listening to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. We're just a couple of guys from college who really enjoy talking about college football and decided that rather than making our wives have to listen to our conversations, we would just talk to each other about it. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show. That way you get notified anytime new episodes come out. And if you could do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be a great way of helping us spread the word of college football and our love for it. Feel free to connect with us on Twitter at CPFB Podcast and find us on the podcatcher of your choice. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Go Penn State. We are.